This is episode 60 of Off Script with Trish Close. Intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. In front of my microphone today is my good pal, Andy Phillips. I've known you for a long time because we run into each other at events that always have to do with what? Wine. Yay! Of Yay. <laughs> and congratulations, your episode 60. Yeah, nice. Right? Nice round number, right? Yeah, it's a good number. It's a good, good, almost solid. Almost my age, or no? <laughs> almost, <laughs> you know, no. Maybe in like 15 years or something, yeah, right? Yeah. So I just asked you, what's your official title? So I set up uh, wine tasting events for Ostras. Okay. Uh, tapas and Bottle Shop in Ashland. Okay. Um, I feel like you know a lot of people in this valley just based on your work. Yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, if you've been to a number of restaurants, if you've been to a number of wine events or wine shops, you probably have run into you, Andy. Yeah, I, definitely. I, I met you when you worked at Gogi's. Correct, yeah. In Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And you turned, uh, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my husband and I, uh, you turned us on to wine, first of all, but uh, St. Andre cheese. Ah, uh, yeah. Bill Prowl was a great chef. He always had some really interesting cheeses, and yeah. he did some really good stuff. Bill is great. But yeah. it was that appetizer that Gogi's had at the time. Oh, the baked one. Oh, oh my oh, yeah. gosh. Uh -huh. Yeah, we just absolutely fell in love with that. And then we would go back and, you know, kind of ask to be sat in your section because you were so knowledgeable about food and wine. Great, yeah. Because that's your thing, uh -huh. food and wine. Exactly. Okay, so let's start from the beginning, Andy Phillips. Where are you from originally? I was born in Linwood, California, which is part of L.A. Okay. Our, my parents moved there from uh, West Virginia, so I was born in 1958 there. And then we moved to Ashland in 1959. So, so. You, you're really from Ashland. From Ashland, yeah. I grew up there, went through the school system. Wow. What was Ashland like in the early 60s. Yeah, kind of more of a, a logging town. Yeah. Logging in college. And then Shakespeare was small. There was no indoor, you know, theater until like early 70s, I guess. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, know, when did the Shakespeare Festival? It's It started taking off. Well, when they built the Bomer, I think that was like around 71 or two. Okay. So they had indoor then. So it went from three months to six months or something like that. Did you watch, because Ashland is definitely not a logging town now. Did you see get to see that transition oh yeah. yeah when did that really start you think the main the main part of it when uh when the transition was like the mid um mid 1980s okay as when the spotted owl uh, thing uh, happened okay wait wait what's the what's that well the, the it was an endangered species yeah in the forest so they stopped logging. oh yes oh yes i've heard stories about this and that was when everything was in limbo um, there really wasn't a restaurant scene uh, at that time. And then, uh, so what do you do? You know, so they, Ashland figured it out. They really did. They did. I yeah. mean, they really, you could look at Ashland and the way they, they went from this logging town to, it's a tourist destination now. Mm -hmm. They have done a really good job of, of changing that and moving along with the times. Yeah, just, you know, for example, that, uh, the, um, Walkway behind the plaza there. Yeah. The Guanajuato Way. Yeah. Guanajuato. <laughs> Calle de Guanajuato. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was just dumpsters and stuff. Back no then. way. Yeah. And now look at it. Yeah. Now look at seating restaurants. And... and when you sit back there next to the creek and it's just gushing by, there's, I mean, it's just heaven. It's a little slice of heaven Very back nice, there. Very nice, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So did you grow up with siblings? Sister. 
One sister? Mm-hmm. Older, younger? A year older. A year older than you. Okay, so you went through the school system in Ashland. Correct. Um, what were you like in high school? Uh, football player. Really? Oh, yeah. What What position? <laughs> Running back. Okay, so nice. I, I still have... I still have, I had the rushing record until 2011, so that was a long time I had that. No way. Yeah. Look at you. And I still have the most carries of any running back, so that should, that may last From forever. Ashland High School? Uh, yeah. Okay. It may last forever, I don't know. <laughs> that's I hope not. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's something yeah. to be proud of. I love it. So when you, so you were a jock? Was yeah, that safe guess, to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, a oh, jock yeah. in high school. <laughs> Did you want to go to college? Did you go to college? I did. I went. I went. Uh, went up to Clackamas Community College up in Oregon City and played football there for a year. Okay. Then I was kind of banged up after that, and I took a year off, and then I came back down to SOU and played with a lot of my old high school players, friends. You know. What were you studying? Uh, I was just taking general studies. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a little lost? A little. <laughs> Not sure what you wanted to do with your life. Exactly, and then you know. I did some pretty pretty amazing things uh, right after that. So, like? Like uh, I took three giant unsupported bicycle trips, mm-hmm. you know, so a friend of mine, myself, we, uh, the first one we did Northern California, so we rode down to Yosemite Park, over Yosemite Park to Santa Cruz, and then back up the coastline. Wow. All on a bicycle. Yeah, all on a bicycle. And then... Uh, like and thin tires bicycle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pedaling. Yeah. A pedal. Pedaling, but we were, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. We How old were you? Tennis shoes, you know, tennis shoes and regular shorts on. Really? <laughs> no helmets, nothing, you know. No helmets? Yeah. Andy. Nobody was doing that back then. That's true. That's you know? true. How old were you? Uh, well... Seventy nine. It was nineteen seventy nine. So early twenties. Yeah, twenty one. Okay, wow, that's then, insane. Yeah, and then the next one, we uh, we rode from here to West Virginia. No way. <laughs> yeah. Did you wear a helmet on this trip? No. Well, we never did. Then nobody did back in you know even the Tour de France guys weren't wearing helmets. Which is that crazy to think about? Yeah, especially with the uh, Froome crashing here. The other yeah. Day. You know, if he wouldn't have a helmet, it would have killed him. So you you guys pedaled. From Southern Oregon to Virginia? Correct. West Virginia. Yeah. Oh, my That's gosh. That's where my parents were from, so I wanted to see that. And, you know. Did you have a car? <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. Take this is the bicycle. Yeah, it's my wow. preferred thing anyway. That's a lot of that's a lot of butt soreness. Yeah, and then the next one, so this was all within about five years' time. The next one, we went up to um, Yellowstone Park. Okay. And we went down into to, uh, Colorado, and we had some friends in uh, Denver. Spent a little time there and went to Aspen, rode around, you know, stuff. And, okay. And then rode back. Wow. <laughs> so those were three. And then later on, in 04, after I'd met you uh-huh. at uh, Gogi's, I, I went up to Vancouver, B.C. and rode down Highway 1 to Mexico. Now, I remember that. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I, I raised some money for you uh, did. Mo- Mobility Unlimited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's this was going to be one of my questions, but I put it down further. You are... A cyclist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, do you still ride your still bike? Still ride, yeah. Do you wear a helmet now? Oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I got in a, a little <laughs> a little altercation in uh, coming over to Jacksonville one day, actually going to work. Yeah. And uh, there was a kind of a head-on collision right next to me, and he didn't have a helmet on. Yikes. So one guy was, you know, coming behind me. He had a, a pickup, luckily, with a big uh, bed on the back of it mm-hmm. and kind of a, a trailer on it. And some guy fell asleep and he was coming. It's right at that corner right before you go up to the, yeah. to the gas station, yep. that big corner there. Yep. 
And I saw the guy coming. I was like, whoa. And then so this guy, this guy held the line and took that guy head on. But, you know, part of his fender hit me and sent me over in the ditch over there. Yikes. So everybody, everybody went to the hospital, but nobody died. So that was a good day. How injured were you? Just stitches in the head, but that was the last time I <laughs> didn't wear a helmet. There you go. War yeah. wounds, yeah, exactly. I like to call them. It doesn't have to be your own fault all the time. Right. So you're just sort of... I mean, are you floating around at this point, riding bicycles when you're in your early 20s? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, had a, worked at the Hungry Woodsman. I don't know. So yeah, then? no. So I actually, you sent me some information about yourself, and I read this. Hungry Woodsman in Medford. It was in Medford. It's, it's over across from where that natural grocer's is, and they took it out because they changed the configuration of the highway there. Okay. But it was there for, it was quite an institution. Uh, I was going to ask you, how, how big of a deal was the Hungry Woodsman? It was big. You know, it seated probably close to 300 people. Whoa. And it was, I mean, back in those days, there was that place. There was um, the Sandpiper mm-hmm. on the other end of town and mm-hmm. Omar's in Ashland. And that was pretty much it. For, for, and for, this was a nice restaurant? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of um, loggers came in there doing business, you know, selling heavy equipment, mm-hmm. so forth, stuff like that, big bar scene. Very know. appropriately named, the Hungry Woodsman. Yeah, it was all made from lumber, from timber, from a... Uh, of course. From a, uh, a wharf down in San Francisco that they took apart. Oh, really? So, yeah, big beans and stuff. What kind of food was on the menu? Uh, prime rib was the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, meat. So, loggers, yeah, oh yeah. Um, so, was there wine? Yeah. Okay. Exactly, so it got exposed to wine there. Pretty much. What were you, you were a server at this uh-huh. at the Hungry Woodsman? Yeah. So was this really your first time working in a restaurant? Yeah, I started as a busboy kind of thing, and then okay. worked my way up. And and my uncle actually worked there, and he was he was kind of into the wine thing, so that he got me started. What was it about the wine thing that you that just kind of sparked your interest a little bit? Well, just the I mean, it's infinite you know i mean it uh, is and when you start seeing some things from around here which there weren't many uh, but like like i think i told you or might have put on there uh, there was a hillcrest riesling you know that kind of blew me away from up there that yeah the vines were 17 years old Mm -hmm. you know so most people were just getting started i mean were there Oregon wines on the wine list? Couple, there okay. weren't many. Right. Yeah, most of them were in Port of California. Okay, so you went, you went from the Hungry Woodsman, and then this really kind of kicked off your love and interest and education mm-hmm. about wine. Mm-hmm. Where does this take you? So then I was kind of going, okay, well, I guess I sort of have kind of a, I don't know what you call it, like a. T- time length of time that it, that I can stay in a place you know I think <laughs> that's called I, I think that's called ADD <laughs> yeah, could be you can't you can't sit still very long yeah and then uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I went down to I said okay well let's let's do something you know we gotta kind of in a rut you know and that at that time that was all there was right mm-hmm. they were just starting to figure out they had to develop a you know, tourism industry around here. Because the so, logging industry was dying. Yeah it was, dead. yeah, it was dead pretty much, 86, I believe, or so. Wow. Was that sad? Was yeah. that a sad thing to see? Well, well, it ripped out all the middle-income people. You mm. know, they had no jobs anymore. So they left. Yeah. Did or, you or see... got retrained or something. Right. Did you see Southern Oregon, like, I don't know, not ghost town necessarily, but did a lot of people pick up and leave, or did most people say, we're just going to stay right here? A lot of those people, because there were... There were probably 
gonna guess probably 12 to 15 mills around the area mm-hmm. at the time. That's a lot of employment. Mm-hmm. Those were the middle income people that that spent. Money. Now they didn't have a job. Now they didn't have jobs, so you either had somebody making a pretty good amount of money or all because of the spotted <laughs> owl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so you really did see this whole region turn into something completely different. Correct. Yeah, I did. And then, uh, well, so if, after the Hungry Woodsman, I went down to San Diego, uh, you know, just to check it out down there for, I was down there for about a year, year and a half. Okay. Kind of going, wow, it's a big city, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a little guy from yeah. Ashland, you know. Yeah. I went down there with a friend. And so he came back up here. I stayed there for a little bit longer. And then I had a couple of friends that were over on Maui. And they said, come on over, man. There's a lot of work over here and stuff. So and, you moved to Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. Packed up my bag, took a couple hundred bucks, and... (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. Well, before, I think before Maui, you went on the Umpqua Valley Barrel Tour? Yeah, I think that that was in 1984. Yeah, so what was that? How did you get introduced to this? I don't even remember how I saw that, but anyway, it's like, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Because obviously I knew about Hillcrest and stuff, so Mm -hmm. I went up there and... uh, you know, it was a one bus, one tour. You know, now I think they have maybe a couple of oh, days gosh. worth of it or something. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you were trying how many wineries? I think there must have been about seven. Okay. God, that's crazy to think about. I know. And they had no control over it, you know. They, so, yeah. So, you know, if they had six, seven bottles, they'd just line them out there and pour your own, you know. You pour your own? You pour your own. <laughs> Man, that sounds like a yeah, kind of wine tour they, I, I can thought, get behind. Yeah, I don't know if they thought through it about, so what do you do when you get off the bus? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you're really just furthering your interest in education on on wine, and then you decide to pack up and go to Hawaii because you have buddies there. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any sort of – this? you don't strike me as the kind of guy who worries about what am I going to do when I get there? Like, I would be freaking out, panicking, you know. Yeah. You just, it seems like you just were like, yeah, sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, make it work, you know. So, you know, you get over there, figure it out, figure out the names of the, of the things. Yeah. <laughs> but I started out in the in Lahaina area there, you know, worked in a local restaurant. But I ended up being in Kahana, which is in between um, Kanapali and okay. uh, Kapalua. And it's a, probably, it was, at that time, it was the best seafood restaurant on the west side. Mama's Fish House was on the east side. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I mean, started out as like kind of helping to stock the bar during the day. It was like there was condos around the area. Okay. And the pool, so they'd have drinks and things like that. But then, you know, started serving and then, you know, got into the wine department and took that over. And, I, you know, they weren't really into the wine much over there. It was more of the pina colada kind of thing. It's Boo. Like, yeah, I know. It's like, so how am I going to do this? How so, did you do it? So what I did, and I really haven't seen much of it since, but I, I, I got the labels from, the you know, all the wines that we had. Mm-hmm. So whatever I ordered, I made sure I'd get the labels on it, put it in the book. So, you know, we had an international community of people coming through there. So mm-hmm. I figured the labels... Say more about the wine than any you could actually write on there, you know. So it was it like a book of of what's offered at the restaurant, correct? And you would take the physical label that was on the bottle and like kind of glue it, paste it in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Did that seem to work? Yeah. All of a sudden, and then I 
became the person that walked around and answered questions and things like that. So we, we pretty much tripled the wine business. Wow. So they really liked you. Yeah, so it was good. And, and you know, people, we had pretty good clientele. They, you know, people like you know, famous people would come through there. You know, people like? The Lakers, you know, like Magic Johnson and, and James Worthy. Wow. Carl Wilson from the Beach Boys. He'd wow. stop by. I always had a bottle of chilled Pouille Fousse for him. Really? He was married to uh, Dean Martin's daughter, Dina. Nice. But they were very nice people, yeah. So Fun. One thing I learned was, you know, they're just like everybody else. You know, they're, of very, course. they're very nice. Yeah. yeah. We're just like everybody else. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, how long were you there? I was there until about 94. Okay. 1994, so what, six years, six, seven years. Wow. Yeah. Were you ordering wine for them at all? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I took that whole thing over, so... You know, I was ordering, you know, towards the end there, it was like 10 cases of Chardonnay, glass pour stuff, you know. Wow. So we were flying through it pretty good. That was, uh, that must have been pretty fun because you were kind of in charge. Yeah, it was fun. And, I get, and that's how I learned a lot over the, was over there. And, you know, when these um, companies or winery people come over there, the Kapalua Wine Symposium is there. Mm -hmm. But they would come and do the tastings, and, you know, in the Ritz-Carlton or... Yeah. Know, Hyatt, Grand Hyatt, or, yeah, you went on tasting on a yacht one time. It's like... Fancy. <laughs> yeah, pretty nice. Do you think, it seems though, and I don't know if it's because for a lot of people, wine is something that's a little taboo, but do, do you think we, I don't, glorify may not be the right word, um, elevate people who know a lot about wine, like they're, they, we kind of put them up here because of their knowledge? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for instance, Peter Addisman in the area. Yeah. You know, I mean, his knowledge is just incredible. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah, I, I guess you would have to because. Yeah, I think <laughs> we just, we turn to these people who, like yourself, you you turn to these people with all of these questions about wine. So you are somewhat of an expert. Uh, Brie Boskov, master of wine, mm -hmm. lives in Oregon. She actually was on my podcast last year. And I absolutely hold her in a special place in the world because of her vast knowledge like she knows so much it's almost overwhelming to realize how much she knows about wine and yeah. wine regions and yeah well you're doing a thing from uh you know from the grape to the glass mm -hmm. you know well it's they know from the soil to the grape to the glass you know, yeah the they really thing. do yeah. yeah have you been watching those you're... the grape to glass no. have you seen a couple of them no oh. Oh. Sorry. Andy, Sorry. <laughs> you need to watch. I was just going to plug it. It's the yeah. Oregon Wine Experience Grape to Glass series. Yeah. And we've been traveling around visiting these wineries. And yeah, it's it's very much soil grape to glass and how their story is evolving in these different wineries. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty amazing because when, you know, when they first came here to plant stuff, you know, I mean, the, the land was cheap. You know, they didn't really know. It's kind of like California, mm -hmm. you know, so Chardonnay, Cabernet, Merlot. Yeah. That's what they thought would work, you know, and <laughs> the wrong clones, just making their wines in barns, you know. Right. And, you know, back in the Gogi's days, Dick Troon had come in there. Oh, I have yeah. a great story about Mr. Troon. I'll bet you do. Yeah. But, you know, he in the middle of winter, he'd bring the bottle in. It's like half, almost frozen, you know, because it was out in his barn. <laughs> Crazy. And that was a... Druid's fluid, yeah, which is what I called the gateway red. It was the gateway yeah. red wine. If you didn't like red wine, you loved this wine. 
Druid's Fluid. Very popular. Yeah. 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 Heard lots of stories about um, Dick Trune. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ted Warwick from Wooldridge Creek. Mm -hmm. He basically told me he was a pilot flying over this area mm -hmm. and thought it was absolutely beautiful, found a spot and said, I want to live there and ended up finding that spot that he flew over. But he told me back then a lot of people grew grapes to camouflage marijuana. Oh, really? The, in, the, in the Applegate Valley, oh, that's I what he said. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Well, now you do. You learn something new every <laughs> that's day. That's right, correct. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it has really, really changed. Yeah, so now, you know, they're, they're, they're looking for, for particular sites, you mm -hmm. know, um, slopes, east face, well, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. whatever they're growing, but they're adapting and changing, and Herb Quaddy's doing a great job, mm -hmm. you know. So let's get back to Hawaii. You're there. Mm -hmm. You're at this restaurant. Sounds like you're seriously kicking some booty as far as buying wine and answering questions. And I mean, you're if someone had a question about, we want a bottle of something that tastes like this, they would ask you. Correct, yeah, they would. Did, did you surprise yourself at all that you could taste some of these and hold on to that knowledge of what this tastes like and where it's from and the vintage? And yeah, not, not when you work with it every day, you know. Mm -hmm. if, if you get out of it for a period of time, you know, you got to get back into it. You got to taste wine all the time. So not really. I had a pretty good time with it. Yeah. You know? So what were you doing in Hawaii when you weren't working? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, <was having> a... <laughs> I knew this was going to be a good question. What kind of shenanigans were you getting uh, into, Andy? Uh, well, you know, one year I was able to um, cut my work hours down okay. to three days a week. So I had four <sighs> days off in Maui for a whole year. That's just, that's just stupid. <laughs> so, I, again, my bicycle, I, I biked all around, camped everywhere, went to Hana, Paleocla, mm -hmm. everywhere, you know. So I uh, flew to different islands. You Did know. you surf? Did no, you learn I never how to was surf? a surfer. No. I went boogie boarding one time without any fins on, up, up you know. <laughs> Wasn't a good move. That ended badly. I got, I got yeah. <laughs> I got out of the water, but barely. Nice, nice. <laughs> so I've never been to Hawaii ever. Um, what if, for those, I, I know I'm in the in the minority, but what are some of the most amazing spots? Well, Haleakala is one of them. You know, Hana is another one. Um, I like. I like going over to Molokai, to tell the truth. <laughs> so yeah. days off, they had a boat that would go back and forth for employees mm -hmm. and stuff, for the hotels. So you just put your bike on the boat, go over there, get a bungalow. Nice. Hang out for a couple of days. Really quiet, no stop signs, no nothing. You know. <laughs> Did the culture there change you at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How so? Well, it was really small. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, your your world was really small. Although there were people from everywhere, mm -hmm. your base people that live there yeah. is a small community. Yeah, everybody so, knows your business. Everybody knows. Yeah. Did you find? I mean, you you strike me as a guy who's been laid back most of your life, but did it that even come about more? I think so. Although it was pretty high stress over there, you know. I mean, how so? Know, well, a lot of people in the, you know, during the winter time with the whales and all that uh -huh. you know, in the winter season. Just packed, you know, just packed to the gills. So, you know, lots of tourists yeah, coming. If you're, okay, if you're, if you're attending bar, you know, you might mm -hmm. be four or five deep. People waiting for tables, stuff like that. Wow. So, pretty stressful, you know. Because they're there to see the whale whale watching. Yeah, and, okay. and then it's, and it's winter time over here. It's you know. Oh, so it's miserable. So everybody wants miserable. to go somewhere that's warm. I've seen some some pretty funny things. Uh, somebody flew in from Kansas one time, and you know, this woman. 
and uh, had a couple Mai Tais and, you know, just the heat, you know, from the yeah. wintertime in Kansas to, you know, Maui, Yeah. you know, just, you know, just go down. Yeah. You know. Fell paint, off her paint. chair yeah. a little bit. Okay. <laughs> so what makes you decide to leave Hawaii then? Because you come back to Oregon. Come back to Oregon. Uh-huh. Well, I, I had some family that were still living here. And I also wanted to get back into the wine scene here because I started reading it in the Robert Parker books, you know. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get much information on it, but he was putting in, he had finally had an Oregon section in there. And so I started reading about it a little bit. And it's like, okay. And tell Robert Parker, sorry. Yeah, the wine, the wine critic. Okay. You know, you know, he rates the wines. Okay, so he was writing books on wine regions specifically? Yeah, wine, well, wines, wineries, actually. Okay. And wine regions, so... The regions and the wineries. So obviously you're attracted the Oregon part because that's where you're from. Yeah. So. And then a friend of mine, the guy I took the bicycle trips with, sent mm-hmm. me a package, a couple, couple bottles of wine, uh, one from the Lama Valley and one from down here. You know, this is around, it had to be 1991 or two or so. And they were, and they were good. You know, Ard- Do you remember what was in that package? It was Ardberry Pinot Noir from, I think, Shehalem up there, Shehalem Mountains. And then I think uh, the other one was a Merlot from Lane Vineyard. In the Applegate. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, it's like, okay, you know, wouldn't mind getting in on this. Okay. You know, just learn about it and come back. And... Did you get the sense that the state, Southern Oregon, maybe was on to something? Like, yeah, you know, I mean, once they, you know, I mean, Weisinger's made a couple mm. early mm-hmm. Lane Vineyard Merlots, I believe, that were pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, once I got back over here, I was able to find some, you know. And, yeah. But they, uh, we, it, there was no Oregon wine in Hawaii, let me tell you. No. I, I came over a couple of times to see if I could actually pull that off. You know, I went up and talked to Henry Estate, somebody that could actually have enough to maybe do it. but And that, nothing. Nah. Okay. So you come back in the early 90s? Uh, Mid nineties. Mid nineties, you come back. Um, what do you do? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so somehow I ran into this guy Bill Crumpeck. He was uh, he was the manager of Harry and David Country Store. Okay. And they had a little wine department there. I mean, it was I mean it was small. It was like a kind of like a little bookshelf on the back wall there. So he hired me to do that. So I was. What were you doing specifically? I was ordering, you know, ordering the wine. Buying wine, okay. Yeah, same same thing. Same kind of thing. So I was in on the early early days of the Harry and David wine mm-hmm. department. I interviewed John Weisinger um, probably last year, and he was talking about how, you know, when he started this, the Wisnowski family was doing Valley View, mm-hmm. and so really helping, you know, these two families were kind of working together. Um, but he opened, it was their 30th anniversary, and he opened, oh, gosh, it was like a, mm, I can't remember what it was, but essentially a rosé. And he opened this wine they've had since, you know, from 30 years ago. And we tasted it up against one that they just made. And that was so fun. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. So they they really turned the corner. So I've, you know, being from Ashland, I've seen, you know, I've seen, you know, with Eric coming on board and Mm -hmm. doing what he did, Mm -hmm. going back and forth to New Zealand and Mm -hmm. so forth, doing two vintages in one year to learn. Uh, He's really turned the corner. They got new equipment and maybe 06, I'm thinking. They got a new press and all that. New label. To me, it seemed like, and you probably know better, you know, they they were very popular. And then it's kind of like they went a little quiet. 
and then kind of came back with with full force. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years ago, as you know, he won Best of Show, his Temper Neo. Yeah, he's really really doing a good job. Yeah. I'm proud of him. He said, um, I talked to him that night that he won, and I said, what was the first thing you did? And he said, I called my dad. No, great. Yeah. yeah cool. So really, really sweet. So you've really seen, you know, I guess get back into, get back to you come from, um, leave Hawaii, come back to Oregon, and what are you doing first? Uh, Harry and David, you're mm -hmm. working there. Mm -hmm. um, do you grow that wine department? Uh, a little bit, you know. I wasn't there all that long. I'm probably there a year and a half or so, a year maybe. Okay. Yeah, so not a long time. And then I got back in the restaurant business. So I think I worked at the Hungry Woodsman one more time. Really? But before they before they closed. And then I, then I worked at uh, Gogi's okay. in 99. What, did Jackson, what was Jacksonville like at this time? Was it, it was budding? Kind of, it, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. It, you know, there, there was stuff going on, you know. I moved here in 2002, and Jacksonville was my favorite town. I just yeah. thought it was the best. A lot of fun, you know. I mean, I'd work there and walk up the hill and watch watch some of the Brit stuff after work, you know. <gasps> the which best. Was, it was great, yeah. Yeah, what was it like working at Gogi's? Because Gogi's, I would consider definitely fine dining. Yeah, that was nice. It was really nice. Uh, I actually worked with Gogi. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Is there a guy named Gogi? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Russian guy. Uh, hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a, a nickname for George. Huh. He was from uh, Georgia in Russia, I think. He defected and went to Italy. And then him and his wife, he was an engineer, and his wife was a doctor. So, wow. Anyway, they, he know. opened this restaurant. Was he? Had, he, he had Sam, yeah, was Samovar there when you were here in downtown Medford? Say it again. Samovar. Oh, uh, it's on the corner there where Yes, Elements, elements. is. Mm -hmm. It was green. Mm hmm. I don't think they were open when I moved here, but or maybe they were, and I just never went to yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, so he had that too, and then he opened the the one in Jacksonville, but couldn't quite get get that one dialed in, and that's when uh, he sold it to uh, Bill and Joyce Prawl. Okay, and Bill did Bill a did number on that. I yeah, mean, he did, just that was a great spot. For, you know, I mean, it was really good. Yeah, what was your favorite thing from the menu? Uh, I like that. Uh, it was a mushroom encrusted seared rare ahi tuna. Yes. Oh my god, with the wasabi. Yeah. Oh. It was on some kind of a wanbok cabbage thing with the orange, some kind of an. Oh orange. gosh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, very good. Bill, make that again. Yeah, it was so yummy. Yeah. Were you? Uh, do you remember Katarina's? Yes. Katarina's was my other favorite spot in Jacksonville. Yeah, I didn't go in there a lot, but I knew her. Uh, she ended up going to the Peerless, I believe, for a little while. Okay. But she did those tours to Italy and yep. things like that. Yep. Did you go? To, you know, no, yeah. I wanted to. She made this dish. It was like espresso crusted, some sort of like piece of meat that she shredded in this like tomato sauce with pasta. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It was the best thing yeah. ever. And her tiramisu was fantastic. So you're working at Gogi's, and you're still doing wine stuff there, obviously. Were you, are you kind of the wine guy at Gogi's or no? No, I was just uh, no, waiting to kind of the head waiter. I guess you'd call me. Okay. You know? Uh, and then, you know, again, <laughs> it's like, I got I to gotta change. <laughs> yeah, you, get, you got bored. So that's when I said, okay, I'm going on a trip. I, you know, rented an SUV and put my bike in and mm -hmm. drove to Vancouver, B.C. And then rode down that Highway 1. Took about three weeks. Thought thought about it. And this, at that time, uh, uh, Michael Gibbs over there at the Winchester Inn asked me if I wanted to help him start a wine bar. So thought about it <laughs> came back I was ready to roll so okay I'll do it yeah you know? and I remember we stopped in to see you like kind of right when right when it opened mm -hmm. um and this was something that was very new for mm -hmm. our region kind of a wine bar it was very on the edge yeah and it was uh it was 
you know, the dynamics of it made sense because they had these rooms, you know, so I could get people, you know, winemakers, winery mm -hmm. owners from, you know, all over the West Coast in there and give them a room, you know, we do dinners and tastings and just all kinds of things. Fun, fun. You know. And so what are you doing these days? Just doing the, uh, uh, working at, uh, working for Ostras, doing, uh, uh, we do these Thursday wine tasting events. So I set those things up. Uh, and I'm, you know, working on getting a hip replacement here next month, so not uh -oh. doing a whole lot. Uh-oh. Is the hip replacement going to take you down for a while? Eh, not long. So the way they do it now, or some of them do, uh, this one, this fellow up here in Grants Pass, you have to work out a certain way for a certain period of time mm -hmm. to strengthen up your muscles. You walk in there, they, they cut through the front, open it up, take the, the damaged part out put okay. the new one in no they don't really cut anything except for the except for the skin sew it back up and you walk out that day that's fantastic yeah, so oh the things that we can do now yeah. as far as medicine and technology go yeah. um so looking back at you know growing up here and all of the things that you've seen what is your opinion on maybe across the state and in southern oregon the wineries that are opening now I mean, it's like, I feel like there's a winery a weekend yeah, that opens like up. It. Yeah, I mean, I remember one time I was working at Gogi's, I thought, okay, I'm going to do a bicycle tour guide. You know, I was going to okay. print one out and stuff like that. But, you know, by the time I did all the mileage and all, there'd be another one or, you know, mm -hmm. it'd be out of date already. So. Oh, so like biking to wineries? Yeah, you know, how, how do you go, what roads, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, so... So you can go taste wine and then get back on your bicycle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion of the wineries that are that are here currently? They're they're getting pretty solid. This uh, fellow was there at Ostras last night. Parkhurst Wine Cellars. Do you know mm -hmm. him? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the wines are showing pretty good. You know, mm -hmm. um, if you did 15, 20 years ago, if you would have told me that Pinot Noir was going to do well here in Southern Oregon, I would have I would have laughed. Yeah, it's you crazy, know? huh? Because, you know, originally they made alcoholic, dark, extracted Pinot to send up north there to blend mm -hmm. with their lighter Pinots to give them a little bit of color and, you know. Well, now you're seeing winemakers from up north come here to buy grapes because mm -hmm. we grow really good grapes here. Yeah, and the first, the big turn was, um, I think it was about uh, 99 or 2000, just before you came was when uh, Del Rio opened. And that's when uh, a carload of them, uh, Ken Wright, Lynn Penner Ash, Gino Cuneo, uh, they got in the car and went down there and they said, wow, this is immaculate. Mm -hmm. And then they started buying Syrah, you know, mm -hmm. some Malbec, some of this other stuff that um, they couldn't get up there, or, you know, so. Okay. Uh, that's when it, the big time happened there. Yeah. But I mean, you've really seen this valley, all the valleys here change drastically. Oh yeah. Um, it wasn't even recognized until, what, mm -hmm. six years ago, maybe, or I something? know, it's crazy to think about. And now this Oregon wine experience thing is, it's gone crazy. I know. And you were <laughs> at, um, you went to World of Wine, mm -hmm. which is how it started. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew those guys. Yeah. Um, it was fun talking with some of the original winemakers who really started all of that and their wives particularly just how it just kind of was like a yeah let's get together and taste some wine i guess yeah yeah 
And just threw some credit cards in there and put mm-hmm. a 10 up on the Del Rio deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think moving forward, um, do you see us becoming a wine destination? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's set up for tourism now, so uh, it's only gonna it's only gonna grow, I believe, because we we can we can handle it. Yeah. Uh, quality's getting better and better. It you is. Know, uh, you know, Herb Quadi, like I said, he's he's really dialing in some stuff, and mm-hmm. and these uh, custom crush places are now. I know. You don't even have to have a wine. You know, <laughs> you can yeah. just buy the grapes and have them make it. Have know, them so. make your wine for you. Yeah. Are you still riding your bike? Yeah. 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 Where's your favorite place to cycle these days? Uh, lately, I've been riding mountain bike and ride, mountain bike riding up uh, Wagner Creek. And, oh, okay. Yeah, Anderson Creek, stuff like that. Okay, so, so are you are you um, visible at Ostras? Or are you kind of behind the scenes? Behind the scenes at the moment. Okay, yeah. I was. Bo- I'm going to tell everybody to go see you at Ostras, but you're yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh yeah, one one thing when I was at the Winchester Inn, I got to go down to uh, furthering my education because we got the Wine Spectator Award of Excellence, and you know, I, I was. Thinking about that, and I'm going, that's perfect marketing for this place, you know. So I went down to that, uh, I think it was the 20th anniversary of the uh, Oregon wine, or uh, California wine experience in San Francisco. Okay. So usually they go, they do it in California, and then they'll do it in New York. And they kind of alternate, but mm-hmm. it was the 20th anniversary of it. So I went to, it was a three-day, <laughs> a three-day gig, cost me like almost $2,000. Oh, my goodness. And I tasted all the best wines in the world. It was phenomenal. Did you know? Do you remember... Any one wine in particular from that? Uh, yeah, actually, a Clos de Pop. Okay. The Chateauneuf de Pop. Mm-hmm. So the way this thing worked, I was at a luncheon, and you know, I think I don't know if that was that was the, I think that was the number two wine in the world that year. Wow. It was the '03 vintage. It was a hot vintage. So I, I, I what was his name, Avril, uh, something. Yeah. Anyway, I. I found him at this luncheon. He were walking around, you know, and I said, "So, how'd you do it in a hot vintage like that?" And he goes, "I took the fractometer, I threw <laughs> threw it away, and I just started tasting the grapes. And when everything got ripe, you know, even though you know the alcohol was high, then he, he goes, I just poured water in it. <laughs> really? <laughs> to get the alcohol down, yeah. Just poured water in it. Yeah. Okay. Which is not really legal there, but you know. whoops. <laughs> There goes all this guy's secrets. <laughs> well, let's go back to that Wine Spectator Award really quickly. Mm-hmm. So what was it for? That's for uh, uh, Word of Excellence. So I think The whole a, restaurant and wine bar? or Yeah, the whole thing. It was the whole wine program. So they want to know everything. You know, how it's stored, the, the vault, you know, your uh, inventory of it, um, you know, how it complements your menu. Yeah. You know, it's pretty extensive. That's huge. Yeah, that was big, you know. And then everybody wanted to be in there. So <laughs> once once I got that thing, once Wine Spectator <laughs> gives you the stamp of approval, you're kind of you're kind of in. What year yeah. was that? No, oh, I'm gonna say '06. Okay, yeah. nice work. Yeah, that, that feels pretty good. That was a lot of work. That was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. but. Okay, I have a question. I have a very controversial question for you, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap up and get to the final three. Okay. Um, we do my. Okay, people are probably going to yell at me for this, but we talk a lot about smoke taint with Mm -hmm. grapes, and we especially do in our newsroom because those are potential stories because it's a big industry here. I've heard from winemakers that, yes, smoke taint, which is smoke from wildfires on the grapes, and it it changes the flavor, it messes with the grapes, and some say it has absolutely nothing to do 
smoke tanked is not a thing. Yeah, I've I've read a little bit on that, and I think it's the time of the smoke involved, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, when it shows up, when the smoke shows up. Okay. And I'm not sure if it's in the later stages or the earlier ones. I can't remember now. But But have you ever tasted a wine where you said, yeah, this this tastes like smoke? Yeah, that Troon Biscuit Fire Cab. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that? I have. Did you get smoke in it? I mean, I think when I tasted it at the time, I didn't believe in smoke taint. So mm-hmm. I think I was up mm-hmm. in my brain thinking, no, I don't taste any smoke in this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the jury's still out, I think. Yeah. And it depends on where it's at and the temperature of the vineyard. And, you know, I mean, I imagine it has all kinds of different mm-hmm. uh, possibilities of tainting or not. Or, you know, yeah. I'm not sure. Because I, de- I mean, I, it is for me, the people that I know at least is absolutely split. Some say it has nothing to do with it and wineries are using it as a marketing thing to sell more wine. Oh, it's from the smoke and other wineries say, yes, it absolutely does affect the grapes. Yeah. Well, Jim Bernal, you know, from Willamette Valley Vineyards mm-hmm. had a bottle of O2, the Biscuit Fire Year, uh, Griffin Creek. I think it was Merlot. Mm-hmm that he popped open to say, okay, here's, here's the Merlot from a biscuit fire year, which was, that was a bad year. Yeah. And nobody could tell, you know, nobody could yeah. So, so I don't uh, know. You know, maybe Griffin Creek didn't get it, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening and has opinions, I want to hear them because the new reporters in my newsroom bring it up all the time. And I just say, I don't know what to do with it. Cause I yeah. just feel like people have different opinions on it. Yeah. So maybe, um, Try a few rosés from these last couple of vintage. I haven't picked anything up on the... It seems like if rosé, you would pick it up mm-hmm. because it's fairly delicate and light. It seemed like you would pick up the smoke if there was. True. And last year was probably one of the smokiest, grossest summers that and we've the had. And long, the long exposure to smoke. So, so, so maybe we'll find out soon is yeah, what I should I, say. I suppose. All right, Andy Phillips. You said when you sat down that you're like Forrest Gump. You have a lot of stories. <laughs> I do. Well, I appreciate you telling some of your stories um, with us today. Let's get to the final three. Best advice you've ever been given? Uh, do what you love. You know, give 100%, show up on time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's always been a rule for me. And that's why I was able to expand my the stuff that I did because I, I did show up. Yeah. And, and you've really hard. done what, you've lo- what you yeah, love. Yeah. You know, and let it take me where, where it took me, you know. I think most people wouldn't ever think to hop on a bicycle and travel to West Virginia because we're worried about, you know, my income or health insurance or where am I going to stay? Where am I going to live? And that seems to have never come. Not really. I, like I said, I just kind of like raise the sail and let it take me where it goes. You know? mm-hmm. Are you a bit of a pirate? <laughs> I guess, yeah. A vagabond maybe? <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Um, if you ever left this place, Southern Oregon, what would you miss the most? What would bring you back here? Well, what I really miss the most around here is the the laid back lifestyle. You know, even in even in Maui, it's laid back, but it's hectic too. You know, I mean, uh, traffic's bad, so here it's good. The traffic's good. Uh, I love the mountains, the mountain lakes. Hard to find that kind of thing anywhere. You know, in mm-hmm. the world and the vineyards and everything. So, um, okay. I like it. Yeah. I'm expecting a lot out of you from this next question. You're, if you were ever given a final meal and a final drink, what would that look like? This is a hard one. So. Good. <laughs> this is my favorite question of all time. I bet, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to keep that kind of local because 
I can. <laughs> you can. It's your yeah. final meal. I know. So I would have the short ribs from Charlene Rollins at New Sammy's Cowboy Bistro. Mm. I had that a couple of years ago with a, friend, a couple of friends of mine, a banana from the Youngbloods. And okay. uh, uh, this gal I went to high school with. And Janet, my, my gal. Uh, that's another story. <laughs> but uh, I would have the braised short ribs. Let's keep that local. And then I've got a bottle of uh, 04 uh, Evans Creek Trium Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm. So I put that in a tasting and it was an old world, new world thing with, uh, I don't know if you ever knew Condi Cox, but Mm-mm. he did the show on uh, in, uh, at the Winchester one time. and That was paired up blind. These were blind. Uh, that against the Bordeaux. And then we had a lot of people there, you know, like growers like Randy Gold and, you know, the, you know, the South State Cellar people, uh, Herb Quaddy, and everybody picked that as the Bordeaux. Wow. <laughs> so That's pretty cool. Yeah, and from time to time, that, that vineyard, that site, in particular uh, areas within that site, makes incredibly good Cabernet, which is kind of hard to find. Mm-hmm. Really. So I know I said final three, but now I need to hear the story. Of, of Janet? About Janet. Oh, yeah, okay. So. Janet's your lady friend. Yeah, and we've been together since uh, the year 2000. So another thing that I'm kind of proud of is that uh, we were, uh, the Winchester Inn was in the Wine Spectator. So they did a whole article on flying into Walla Walla Mm -hmm. and hitting all the regions down and ending ending at the Winchester Inn. No way. Because I had created such a local Mm -hmm. uh, part of the wine, you know, part of the list was, a large part of it was local wine. So... If you wanted to try the local wine in one spot, that's where you go, and you end your end your trip there. So, uh, so Janet came from uh, Cincinnati, and she had uh, separated from her husband. And anyway, her husband was a wine guy, so he read the article, <laughs> and he goes, "You got to go to the Winchester Inn since you're moving to Ashland." Ah, okay. So why Ashland? Why'd she move to Ashland? She uh, for the. It, Back then, it was uh, Ashland Community Hospital. She runs the foundation. Okay. So now it's Asante, but gotcha. she still does that. Okay. She runs the foundation there. So she would come in, and then we got to know each other, and there you go. <laughs> so her ex-husband essentially set you two up. Correct. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. All right, Andy Phillips, who I adoringly call the wine guy. I see you at these events, and we just kind of go, hey, what'd you like? What do you like? Yeah. What's tasting good? You going to go to the barrel? The barrel auction? Um, duh. Of that's, course. That's one of my favorites. Me too. Yeah. I There's something. That. And we're talking about the Oregon Wine Experience uh, Founders Barrel Auction. It's, uh, I'm just going to plug it because I absolutely love Oregon Wine Experience, but it's all of these wineries and the winemakers have created these special barrels just for this auction. You will never have this wine ever, ever mm-hmm. again. Um, the winemaker at uh, at Abacella calls them unicorn wines because- yeah. You just won't ever see them again in their yeah. futures. And you can bid on a case, or you can actually bid on the whole barrel. Mm-hmm. Do you bid? Yes. Good. Got some nice dancing. A couple times I got some nice dancing things. And, Good. Because you, know, so. you know all that money goes back to Children's Miracle Network. That's a great deal. Yes. It's a great deal. So it's really fun and, and uh, you know. It's, it's for a good cause. It is, and it's very close to my heart. I didn't know we were going to plug it, but let's plug away. There's yeah. several events, too, people can go to if you can't do the Founders Barrel Auction, but that is by far my favorite event. Yeah, yeah. and 
more and more people are doing it. It seems like I know. And different people and then we're coming down from the Willamette Valley as well. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting. And, and fun. you, you will be excited to hear there are more uh, barrels this year than ever. Nice. Yeah, they nice. had to cap it, so there's going to be a lot of wine to taste. Great. So hold on to your butts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes and you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find us. You can also find us on Stitcher and Google Play. Check out the video portion of this podcast at ktvl.com. Just click on Features and then Off Script one more time. Andy Phillips, my wine guy, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Oh, you're welcome.